Hey, Sarasota, it's Bob. So it's been a wonderful grind over the past 18 months. We've had some fabulous guests. We've produced over 150 episodes. and We've had over 10,000 listens from you wonderful folks in the greater Sarasota area. It's been a lot of fun, but also it's been a lot of work. And so we've decided to take a little bit of a break until this fall. When you check out other podcasts, you're going to see that most put out a new episode only once a week. We put out two, so of course that means there's twice the work. A lot of show notes, scheduling, guests, editing, etc., etc., etc. So we've decided to take a little break for the rest of the summer and we will resume this fall. And we'll let you know. But before I sign off, can you do me a little favor? Reach out to us via Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Drop us a little note. I'd like to know more about what you want to hear when we resume in the next couple of weeks. That'd be a big help because without you, dear listener, we would not exist. As always, thank you for tuning in. Have a wonderful summer, and we'll be back soon where you can listen, learn, and connect. Good morning, Sarasota. This is the Sarasota Stories Podcast. Anyone who's a fan of local comedy already knows about McCurdy's Comedy Theater on Ringley Boulevard in downtown Sarasota. What I didn't know until recently is that only one of the dynamic husband-wife team who started McCurdy's over 35 years ago actually wanted to be in the comedy business. Hi, I'm your host, Bob Williams, and I'm excited to welcome Pam and Les McCurdy of McCurdy's Comedy Theater. In this episode, you'll learn one thing most people don't know about the McCurdy's, why running a comedy club isn't all jokes and giggles, the undiscovered McCurdy comedians who went on to become household names, why the incredible Humor Institute is something you might want to try for yourself, the special way Pam and Les help the mentally challenged through the Olafics, what they're excited about now, and much, much more. Thank you for stopping by today, and it is my hope that you will listen, learn, laugh, and connect. Lesson Pam McCurdy, founders and owners of McCurdy's Comedy Theater in Sarasota, Florida. Welcome to the Sarasota Stories podcast. Thank you. Excited to be here. Nice. This is going to be fun for me because, well, A, because of the business you guys are in, but two, because when I did my research, I thought, man, this, this is just going to be great. Uh, everybody thinks they have a great sense of humor, so I don't know whether I can keep up with you two today, but uh, we're going to get into a lot of things here pertaining to your theater and we're going to get into all the different things that you've done since 1988 when you started McCurdy's but before we do that I get to ask you my favorite question which is what is one thing that most people don't know about Pam and Les McCurdy mm-hmm. should we open the box as they look at each other <laughs> they're very hot we're very hot, hotter than most people would think, especially me. <laughs> me. Oh yeah, especially less. I know. I'm a, I'm a sex magnet. Yep. Um. No. Do you want to go first? Because I've got an answer. We're you go, go ahead. Because we're going to have to do this. He's back the forth. talker. Uh, I would say the thing that most people don't know about me is I'm not the life of the party. Uh, people, uh, Pam will always say, "Oh, my friends will go." invite her to some kind of party and go, can you get Les to come? And she goes, you know, the reason you want Les to come is because you think he's going to be the life of the party. He's going to be standing there and he's going to be entertaining everybody everybody and telling (laughs) jokes. And she goes, he's not, he's going to, He's well, like, hey, guys, I got to go now. I mean, this is what I was expecting. So we're going to cut this episode off. But he's going to get a drink. He's going to stand in the corner with a few guys that want to talk sports and politics and, and and you know, or whatever. But right. he's not going to be the life of the party. And 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 that's true. I mean, uh, not that I'm not, you know, I mean, I'll be engaging to have fun. But, I'm, you know, I get that out on stage. And because I get it out on stage, I don't need to get it out any other way. And uh, and I think that goes to um, what I would have originally done if I had not gotten into comedy. When I graduated from high school, I my path was to be a forest ranger. Oh, cool. And I love the outdoors. Yeah, I, sure. I grew up in Tennessee on the North Carolina-Tennessee border. 
And I just love those mountains. And I really saw myself, um, you know, living possibly alone, uh, uh, you know, up in the wow. mountain, uh, uh, taking care of a piece of a national forest. And if I happened to get married and that worked out great, but if I was alone, that would have been, that would have been fine with me too. So really when you think about when I got out of high school and headed to college, my career path was the polar opposite of where I ended up. Wow. That's, I, I mean, it's interesting because I grew up on a uh, 500 acre farm in Southwest Ohio. And I, you know, you're, you're talking my language right there. And, and particularly in today's toxic world, you know, going out in the forest and saying goodbye to the world is very appealing right now. So, yeah. well, that's fascinating. Yeah, that's fascinating. Well, well, Pam, what about you? What's one thing that most people don't know about you? Well, most people don't realize that um, I'm, I was a professional actress before Les and I got together to do comedy. And in my big scope, my dream of where I was going to be and, and my passion and what I was going to accomplish, it was not owning a comedy club. However, I was the one that was, you know, just uh, bent on opening a comedy club. Um, Les, when we came to Sarasota, was not interested in having a comedy club. And it just was a passion of mine, wanted to do it. You know, no background in business. I was uh, had my master's from the Oslo here from wow. uh, State University in performance. So it, it just was it just was staying true to a, a passion and a path that I wanted to pursue. Well, that's, uh, that's fascinating. And that so this was really back in the late 80s that yeah. you guys you, you said, I guess Pam was 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 pulling less there and said, you know, we, we need to start this thing. But that was back in 1988. So, yeah, I mean, continue on with that. You know, why a comedy club, well, a comedy theater? Here's what happened. Les and I, I thought he was moving to New York City to be with me and us, you know, continue our relationship. And he got a call from his partner, Ken Sons, that they were going to open a comedy club in Chattanooga. And so Which is where I'm from. Yes. OK. That's home base. So I, at that time, um, wanted to be in an exclusive relationship with him, of course, with marriage, you know, at the end of that. And so I left New York and moved to Chattanooga. Well, I have to say this. Um, we failed miserably the first year at running the comedy club and doing it. And after about a year, we all wanted to get out of Chattanooga. So we sold don't, it. Don't go back and listen to my first few episodes. <laughs> right. Yeah, I really learned so much from failing so miserably yeah. at doing this. I'd like to have a do over. I really think I can I, I, I can make this happen. And Les was like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? I don't want to go in the do over machine. And but, you know, he was. Uh, well, just a slight correction. Uh, um, the I, I will say we we failed miserably at our first attempt at a comedy club. N not that we the aspect of putting on good shows and getting oh, big yeah. numbers of people in, we were great at that. Absolutely. What we were bad at was the back of the house, right. inventory control, uh, you know, really keeping theft down, all those kind of things that you have to managing the money, managing that part of it. We just, we were clueless. And um, so when we first moved to Sarasota, our first, club, our first club, first 10 years was in a banquet room at a holiday inn. And we took the door money and they took the concessions and that went well. And I was okay with that, but it was when, and Pam was the, wanted to do this way before I did. Uh, uh, we were there for 10 years and five years into it, Pam was like, we're given, we've got to thrive in business. It's going great. We're, you know, we're giving them more than half the money with the liquor yeah. and food revenue. 
Yes. We need to have our own place. And that's where I was like, no way. I do not want to be a business owner. I, you know, doing a little thing like this is fine, but I don't want to do that. So that ended that that situation ended and we were kind of kind of forced our hand to move into our own place. And uh, and that was where I want to say that Pam took on the business side of that. And because I told her, I said, look, somebody one, somebody has to be the designated and uh, excuse my language has to be the designated asshole in yeah. any business. Somebody has to be the one that when they walk through the room, everybody sits up straighter. And I said, it's not me. Pam goes, I got no problem with that. And I said, the other thing is somebody's got to be on top of inventory control and, and that sort of thing. And she, she took that on. And, and, and I mean, within, within a couple of months had it going well. And I, I love this story. When, when she first did it, the first, the first month we were open, she came to me and she said, I don't have a handle on this at all. And I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to call a staff meeting. We're going to accuse people of stealing. That will keep everybody at bay for a little while. A buddy of mine had two nightclubs in Tampa, called him. He was a good friend of ours. He came down. He said, I'll work with Pam and get her on top of it. So between him and a couple of comedy club owners, they worked with Pam. Pam was like, I got it after a couple of weeks. And then about a month later, I was leaving the club and I didn't have beer at home. And I thought, oh, I'll. I'll, I'll just grab some beer out of the walk-in cooler. So I grab four Coronas, not a six-pack, just four. And I usually am good about writing it down, but I didn't. And I said, oh, I'll just tell Pam when I get home. And I didn't. And I just forgot about it. So at right. the end of the next, that week, I asked Pam, I said, uh, hey, how's everything going? She was like, man, it's great. Our liquor percentages are right on, da 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 this, that, and the other. She goes, but there's four Corona missing. Where <laughs> to God. Out of a walk-in cooler full of beer. And I looked at her and I said, I'm probably more in love with you now than I ever have been in my entire life. I said, that is unbelievable. So that that showed us. And she's been that way all the way through. And, and you know, people see me more the face of the business because I'm the guy that's out there. But I tell everybody, if it wasn't for Pam, there would not be a comedy theater in this town. There would not be. I wouldn't do, have done it. I wouldn't have, it, I, it's not in me. I, I'm an entertainer and yeah. she is too. And, but she took that on and she's brilliant at it. And uh, that, and that's the reason it's so successful. You, you know, I, I have to share about that inventory. First off, I, this conversation could go about seven different directions right now, because I'm seeing a yeah. wonderful collaboration here right in front of me. So, but I, but it's interesting. You talk about inventory control. I was part of an investment group. We built a supermarket down the Caribbean, the Turks and Caicos. And the culture down there was, you know, stealing was, they actually called stealing tithing. Of course. Yeah. Of course. That's so funny. That's how you survive. Yeah. Uh, and you're like, you're like, wait, no, wait, tithing, it goes the opposite direction. You're supposed to get, no, no. Tithing was when you took. So inventory control is a real bugaboo for us, but but no, I I do understand that uh, that piece of the business. But and it was it was kind of leading me into my next question, which was you know what, you know what do most people get wrong about running you know a comedy club? Because again, it's just like as less as you just said, you know, you're not the life of the party. You know, you're not going to come in and just kind of do your you know your your stump act or whatever it is. But same with a business, a comedy business. A lot of folks think that, well, you're around comedians all day. It must be joyful, must be fun. But what's the reality of it? It is fun. That that's part of the reality, and they and they are great people to be around. But it's a business. Yeah. And um, I think less has always helped me as well. You know. Um, your business plan is your Bible. Go back to it every once in a while. So you remain focused. You keep things simple because sometimes you're like, oh, yeah, there be fad comedy things going on. You're like, yeah, let's do this. Let's try this person on stage. Let's book. Let's book the uh, the dating game. Let's, mm. you know, and you you can do so many fun, different niche things, you know, shows. But you've got to go back to. Why are you doing this? Who are you? What's your product? 
we're stand up comedy. You know, that's what we do. And so keeping our focus on doing that well is what we need to do. Well, you know, my, my grandparents ran a uh, barbecue restaurant in Chattanooga, Tennessee that he opened. They opened together in 1929. It was there for 57 years. Wow. And we followed that same thing. I mean, they had a great relationship. And when, like Pam said, the basics, you know, people, are, how are you? So I go, look, it's not brain surgery, but it is hard. It's a great product, great service, dependability, you know, uh, uh, consistency. Right. And, and uh, you know, and, and hard work. You know, uh, I think a lot of people think we get from people. Here's a question we get from people all the time. Because our business, we have to make all of our money in less than 20 hours a week. Okay. Now that that's when we have shows, all of our revenue has to come in in that amount of time. Wow. So people are like, what do y'all do all day? You know, when I like, they think, they think we just go right. up at the theater, you plug know, in a plug in a microphone, uh, uh, set up the bar and people just magically right. show up right. because you've got a show going on. They don't realize that there's there's these there's you know there's there's this sixty hours a week that you're working to set everything yes, up right. correctly and right. market and do all the right things so that those people do show up and when they show up they are getting that consistent great product to the yes. point to the point where our people would say. Most of the comics that play our place are not celebrities. They're not. They're not nas nationally right, known. Right, right, right. No, that that's maybe that's maybe a quarter of the time. Okay. So, but these acts that I'm bringing in and Pam, Pam and I are bringing in, they're just as good as the celebrities. Many times better. better. They're yes. they're they're solid pros. They're just never got a television show or movies. They just never got that kind of exposure. And what people will say is go, you know, let's our, our regular customers. They go, let's go to McCurdy. They'll tell somebody, hey, have you been to the comedy theater? No. Come with me, man. It's great. And they go, who's playing there? And they'll go, it doesn't matter. It oh, doesn't cool. matter. That's you cool. can pull it up and see that Josh Sneed is here or Daryl Lennox is here or Dale Jones or John DeCrosta right. or, you know, Lynn Coplitz. But and you go, I don't, I never heard of them. And they go, trust me, it's gonna be great. We've, you know what I mean. And so it, it's, you know, that that's the deal of it, you know. And and uh, just running a good song. And I think people that fail in nightclubs and restaurants and things, entertainment based businesses, really go into it thinking that there's not a lot of work to it. That. Right. It's, fun. right. it's all fun and you just go in and people just show up because, you know, you got a great meatball sandwich and, you know, and my grandparents did exactly the same thing. They kept their product simple, everything consistent, worked hard, and we've done the same thing. And that's that's why we're where we are. It's, it's 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 fascinating because you know it's the same thing I've learned about podcasting. You know, people think, well, man, all you have to do is you need a computer and a microphone and you talk for, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes or an hour or whatever it is. Well, you got to line people up. There's emails go back and forth. You got to write show notes. There's backlinks. You got to upload all this material. And yeah. so that is that's you know, that's that's the misnomer. The other it's interesting because I mean, because you're talking the business side of McCurdy's. And it's it, you know, it's the same thing, you know, that I've run into just simply generating a podcast where podcasters fail is they're not consistent. And I mean, every Tuesday and Thursday for the past, you know, over a year, we put out an episode. Sometimes the episodes are better than others. We we do our best, but you do have to be consistent to put out a great product. So I think that's a point well taken. That That's really, really cool. You mentioned um, about some of the uh, you know, comedians that maybe folks have never heard about before. Have you ever had somebody come through and you said, this gal's got it, you know, or this guy really has it. And they went on, you know, I don't know, Robin Williams or, you know, whoever it was what did, that you saw 
that this young talent was going to be somebody. And sure enough, they were on Jay Leno or or one of the other night shows. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, huge stars. Uh, uh, we, the one that, the one that, well, Larry the Cable Guy started yes. in our club. Oh, he really? Was, uh, okay, cool. He, that's documented. Larry's talk, uh, his name's Dan. Dan's yeah. talked about it. Uh, Dan was, Dan was Dan Whitney and he was doing Larry the Cable Guy on a Tampa, number one Tampa morning show as a character. It wasn't in his act. And, uh, and he didn't see, he couldn't see it being in his act. He wasn't that kind of a comedian. It was just a silly thing he was doing on the radio. Right. And it got great popularity here, it, it, the character. And he was going to quit. He had a falling out with the radio station and he was, he was going to, he was, wasn't going to be on there anymore. And, uh, and we got talking about it and I knew how popular it was. And so I was like, look, man, I said, that character is way more popular than you are. If that makes sense. I mean, in other words, I can sell tickets. That's a great point. Great point. Can't sell tickets to Dan Whitney because of the, what you built on the radio. I think you need to think about doing that character in your show. And we talked about it and he did it at the theater. And then it just, you know, per, per his hard work. I mean, Dan's a diligent uh, worker, type A personality. But, I mean, now he's worth, I don't know, $100 million or something. Right, right, right. You know, we watched Jeff Foxworthy from from being a middle act. Oh, wow. Uh, he was the first kind of celebrity that played our place. But he was just starting to get going. And the one I love is, is that. We had request cards, you know, where you fill out your name and address to get on our mailing list. And then, you know, is there any comments, anybody you want to see? Well, they'd always write in Robin Williams, yeah. uh, Bill Billy Crystal, Bill, Co- you know, yeah, right. yeah. they're coming to McCurdy's. Right. And, uh, but we, Pam goes, Pam goes, you know, every now and then we're getting a, a asked for a Peanut. comic named Peanut. Who's Peanut? Who the hell's Peanut? And so I, I call, I, we start asking comics and everybody's no, you like, ask the agent. well, we first we were asking yeah. comics and nobody's going, nah, I never heard anybody name. And then I, the agents that I was starting to deal with, with the major talent agencies for the celebrities, I was asking them peanut and everybody's like, nah, I never. And then one agent goes, you know, there's a ventriloquist out there named Jeff Dunham and he's got, his okay. Its name is peanut. Maybe that's it. Well, of course, that was who it was. The people did not know Jeff Dunham's name. Oh my god! They just knew Peanut. Peanut. So we were like, "Well, he's the only comic that's not a celebrity that anybody's asking for." Even though we're not getting hundreds of these, we're getting twenty or thirty. But what the hell? Let's book the guy. Well, first time in, first time (laughs) in, he almost sold out every show. And then he came every year for probably 15 years, uh, you know, to our club, always totally sold out, most popular. And then I remember when, uh, the Ahmed character, the, the, yes, terrorist, yes, 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 him, yes. That's what took him to the stratosphere. Yes. Uh, and. He came in. We had him booked. He came in, and he was like, uh, I'm just, just, for our listen, "Just for our listeners, it's the ventriloquist, and he has Ahmed the terrorist as his dummy." Correct? Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peanut Walter Jalapeno on his. He's yeah. got a bunch of. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, he came in and he told us. He goes, "Man, I've just blown up." He goes, "I, I could have canceled this year's cl- club dates." He goes, "I'm now booked in like Amelie Arena," you know. And um, so just to watch him just completely go to the stratosphere and and we thought he would. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah, we, yeah. from the very beginning, we were like, man, there's there's nobody like him. And he's he's was he was the hardest working guy I think I'd ever seen. Right. Our right. Industry. It's, it's, it's interesting you say that could clear back in the late 70s. I, I don't know if I graduated from high school yet, but. The police, the rock and roll band, the punk band from London. They were booked at a small club in Cincinnati where I'm from. It's called um, Bogarts. And we had tickets to go. And same thing happened, man. They went stratospheric and they canceled the show. So I never got to see the police. Uh, I used to play the funny bone in Cincinnati. Oh, did you? 
Yeah. 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 That was fun. But, uh, oh, that, that's really, really cool. So, so so Pam, what you got to jump in here a little bit. I mean, what are some of the comics that you've seen coming up through that you said, wow, they really got something here? Um, I mean, so many really, but an angle I wanted to bring up was we had two comics that started out here in Sarasota by taking Les's comedy class. It's oh, that's great. Very cool. class, And that we teach through our humor Institute. Yeah. Please go into that. Yes. I mean, it used to be when we first started it, I mean, like an eight week process, you know, and then, and people found it very difficult to have to commit to eight weeks. So gradually, you know, through experimenting what would work better for everyone, instructors and students, we came up with just an immersion program that it's two weeks, two, yeah, weekends. two weekends, yep. four, four, four times. Right. And then you're up on stage. And like a, like say, an executive MBA, right? That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, and I have to say, we've had two comics and they're both female come out of his comedy class. One named Valerie Storm. She toured professionally. She's been on television, Nickelodeon channel. That's she is cool. one of the main headliners now for the Carnival Cruise Lines. She uh, was in Fort Myers. And then Dale Jones' wife, Jody White, she took Les's class. She's originally from Sarasota. She tours all over the United States. She got television. And, you know, you saw them literally I remember Val and and uh, Jody with like five minutes. Wow! And going, they just and you, every time you were with them, unlike Les, we'd be at a party. They were the life of the party. They're wow. funny. They're just quick witted, you know. Um, but you still have to have that uh, discipline to put those. You know, you got to put the reps in. You got to put the reps. You know, in, also yeah. uh, Janet Williams from Tennessee. Yes, the Tennessee the Tramp. Tennessee Tramp. Been a national <laughs> yeah. for many, many, many years. Still headlines our club. She also came through the class. The first ones that we taught in at the club in Chattanooga. Yeah. So we actually had three, and they're all female. But you bear, we've had we've had thousands of people go oh through that gosh. comedy theater, and only three have made it to headline pro. Yeah, you know, and interesting that they're all. Uh, female, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah that was kind of, well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk, talk about the humor Institute because, because Pam touched upon that. What yeah. is the humor Institute? And, you know, then tie that back in with how people kind of went through and then went on to greater and grander things. Yeah. The humor Institute, um, it still has room to develop. I would say, you know, uh, your last question to us about, you know, what would the future, uh, of our growth, you know, where's that excitement and passion? Yeah. Be? I would say the Humor Institute is really where we're looking at developing more, um, bringing in speakers, uh, doing health and humor, you know, um, symposiums and, right. you know, working with the community more. So, so, so if, I, if I sign up, if Bob Williams signs up for the Humor Institute, yeah. come on, yeah. sell me. What, what, will hap- what will happen to Bob Williams when I sign up? I'm just telling you, uh, taking the, and I did it. I took Les's class. I got up there and wrote five minutes and, you know, did my little thing to go through the school. People don't realize that rush you get getting on that stage, the adrenaline rushing all around. I mean, I, I've got to say it's probably better than jumping out of a plane. It's that kind of scary, great wow moment. You get up on that stage. It's just you're gonna be you're gonna be addicted to it. It so is. So is it like a classroom like setting? I mean, where the well, half a dozen people there, doesn't you'll people come or, to the theater? You actually, yeah. we start right out putting you in the environment that you are going to perform in. We're not taking into some classroom with a chalkboard. You're right in the showroom. You're sitting in the seat that you're watching a show from listening to Les, getting some instruction. And that first day, because before you even arrive, we've sent you a workbook. So you're already starting to write jokes and bring some things in your very first session at the comedy class. So you come in, you bring your first, you know, couple of jokes, 
and you're on stage that very first session. Les has you on stage. Wow. You're in front of a mic. You're working on the stage in the lights with a microphone and getting notes from a professional touring comic that's been doing this over 36 years. And let me tell you something. That is a rare thing yes. in the United States of America. Yes. I don't know of any other institution that you perform first day on a stage and get a 36-year professional comic that actually owns the business at your session and giving you one-on-one -on -one notes. Don't I, know. I, I'm, I'm curious if you have, because like improv and comedy and stand-up, all that, even if you stink at it, right? Yeah. Getting past that fear. Yeah. And having that in your quiver, if you will, even for business where you have to talk in an impromptu environment. And that's happened to me before, which I won't go into. That's happened to me several times before, which I won't go into. But that, I mean, that's a real, that's a life skill set that I could see could be applied in a lot of different areas. Well, of course it can be. And, uh, and like Pam said, you know, you, you come in and, the, and there's also two other pros that teach the class, Ken Sons and Scott Novotny. Both have been doing it as long as I have, and they're great teachers. And, um, and basically what people don't realize about stand-up comedy is how much structure there is to it. That's the right. thing that we get after you take, when you start getting into the second and third class is, is there's a feeling, you know, professionals always make whatever they do look easy. I don't care what it is. You, you know, you look at a professional golfer, they make that swing look so easy. It is not. It, we know it is very, very hard. And same way with stand-up comedy. So there's a, I think there's a, there's a, a misnomer that stand-up comics many times are just born this way. We're just, that's the way we are. We have this innate quick wit. That's a great point. And, and great we're point. And, we, and we're just, Thing It looks like we're just talking. It looks like it's just organic. It's just coming off the top of our head. Yeah. It's just, and that's where I tell the class, I go, you want to learn about stand-up comedy? And this is how we learn, because there was no classes. Watch the same stand-up comic three times at a club. Because the first time, it all looks like, oh, it did their daughter then you go to see the second time and you see that every single word is the same. Wow. For the most part, no deviation, the rhythm, the timing, because it's all been structured and worked on so much so that you can effectively repeat and get this. You have to know when you walk on that stage as a pro, one, 80% of your material needs to hit 80% of the time. And that is the least you can do to stay working as a pro. And when you walk up there, you can't be guessing on what's going to, where the laughs are going to hit. You got to know where the laughs are going to hit. You, you, and that's what I tell you. I go, you should be able to take the set that you're going to do, write it down and underline every moment where you expect a laugh to happen. Moment, not kind of sort of in there somewhere, right there, to where you can go in your five minutes, how many laughs are you going to get? And you would go 13. Wow. 12. I had no 20, idea. 20. You know exactly, you know. And uh, th that's the thing is, and I had a lady take the class one time, and she still comes in. And uh, she came up to me after the, the third class and she said, Les, she goes, I was an attorney. I went from an attorney to being a state prosecutor. Then I became a judge. Then I became the, on the Supreme Court of her state judge. Wow. She goes, this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And I went, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not. It, it, trust me, it's not. You're way smarter than any of it. But it's, it is demanding because in every other performance art, you're judged after the fact. You get to do it, you get to do it and then you're judged. In stand-up comedy, you're judged while you're doing it 
right moment to moment to moment so as a stand-up comic doing doing a 30-minute set you could go out there for 15 minutes and rock and just have a great set and then you could do something in the next few minutes that turns that audience off interesting you know and you could lose them you know and they won't care that 15 minutes ago you were making them the happiest people in the world. Now they're like, yeah, you suck, you know, <laughs> and that's the way it is, you know? So that's the adrenaline rush of it too, is that it's, it's, it's a constant, you know, and that's the fear behind it. But, but it it, it is structured. I can tell you anybody can do it if they want to. It's not like you have to, be a certain some kind of person. Curdy, Les McCurdy is your parachute. So <laughs> just know that. He's he's like tandem jumping with you. When you jump out of the cool. plane, he's got you. He's got That's you. great. That's great. I actually have a story about bombing. I was actually in corporate training. So it, it, it rhymes, right? And so we were doing this little um we were doing this little exercise where I was trying to sh- sh- the example was showing how we are creatures of habit. And so I had the guys, and it was a mixed group, men and women and whatnot, and I guess maybe 30 people in the class. So I had the guys get up in front of the room. <laughs> I said, what I want you to do is I want you to pull your belt out and put it in the opposite direction. And we struggle when we do it because it's just it's unnatural because you do it. You've done it for so many years. You just don't think about it. So they put it, they start putting it, and they're kind of like, you know, it just they, they're kind of struggling with it a little bit. And so I went to say to the women, I said, Go ahead, women, if you want to hoot and holler, you know, because they're taking their belt off, you know, a little bothering and whatnot. But I didn't say that. I said, go ahead, women, get your hooters out. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> so what I did was. What an words, awkward moment. Terrible, terrible, terrible. So, oh, so and, and this is this is an older demographic too, you know. So oh. it was a, it's kind of like you know, uh, you know, construction factory level workers, and they <laughs> turned around, and looked at me. Fortunately, there was a closet there, so I opened the door, walked in the closet, yeah. and I said, "You know, when, when can I come out? Just let me know when I can." Come Good night. Out. <laughs> yeah, but I could see where someone would say something, just completely change the change the environment there. What? Absolutely, absolutely. So, so, so that's the humor institute. Um, Anything you else, anything else you want people to know if they were to come there? Because uh, it's a couple weekends. Les is going to lead it. You have a couple other folks that are going to to help out as well. Uh, you and, just go, it, it, here's the thing, I uh, uh Anybody who I mean, it, it's it's a sport that you know, just certain people are going to have the right. You know the the thing. The moxie. I, I tell people all the time. I go if you try to if you try to like I, I get people that go. Well, they buy it and they and they and they give it to somebody as a gift, and you know, and this will be good for you. And I'm like, eh, you know, if they don't have the desire, yeah, yeah, to do sure, it, it's probably not. It, yeah, but not that. It, but the thing is, is that you know, you're just gonna if if you think you want to do it, what I tell you, go to the website, you'll see the dates, and just commit, call, sign up pay for it, you know, and just do it. And then that way, and and if something happens and you go, oh, that weekend's not going to work for me, well, then, you know, we'll let you roll it to another weekend later on. But you just have to commit and go, I'm going. It's like jumping out of it. Sure. I'm just going to yeah. do it. I'm just right. going to do it. And once you get there, you're going to be with 10 or 12 other people that are just like you, you know, and, 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 you know, you'll, you'll, we're going to make sure that you get the confidence that you need, that we put you in a situation where you're going to do well. We're not going to let you go up yeah. there and bomb unless yeah. you don't listen to us and decide to go. And don't prepare. Us. Yeah. You, you know, so th- that's, that's what you can expect. And, uh, and coming to the theater, they can, same thing, go on the website. Take a look at the comics that we have lined up and you can decide. You can look at their videos and go, hey, that might not be for me. He's a little, you know, sure. language involved. Yeah, but yeah. You can see the kind of show that we're presenting or they will be presenting. You buy your ticket on the website. You come to the green room lounge. You can sit in there and have a drink before the show or, you know, 
wait and we seat you in the showroom theater and you're seated at the table that you picked out or you can buy at the door. That's fine. And it's usually about you're there about an hour and a half. We do have what some people don't understand. And this reflects back to our previous conversation. We have in our theater a two item minimum purchase per person. Right. The sure. Reason we have this is because we have 20 hours to make rent. And some people we do a, a, a thank you. It's your birthday. Well, maybe if you're on our mailing list, call you and offer you free tickets. So I we can't afford to have four people come in for free and sit and have a glass of water. You know, so we had to establish that very oh, early. Sure. And our servers, our and servers, our servers have to make money. Have to make money. Other either. comedy clubs are like that that I've been to in Cincinnati. I mean, a lot, you know, a lot of yeah. a lot of places are like that. It certainly makes sense. Sure. Which I also want to just throw up two things just hit me one uh, on celebrity stuff that's kind of cool. Uh, one goes back to somebody who was going to be a star that we and I, did, I, did, I forgot about it. Amy Schumer, who's a huge oh, star yeah. now. Amy was on a little last comic standing TV show. We loved her on the show. She didn't win it. She came third. She came in. People told me they go, she can't headline. She she does not have enough material. And so uh, I said, I think she's funny. So she got in town and I asked her on the ride to the hotel. I said, how much time do you feel comfortable doing? I mean, a a headliner is supposed to be able to do 45 minutes to an hour solid. She goes 20, 25 minutes. I said, that's what I understand. I said, I don't want you doing something you can't do. So I said, we'll do improvisation at the end. Right. And and, have you, and she had never done that before. I said, me and you, we'll just do some improv games. And she was game for it, and it was great. And then she just kept getting better and better and better and cool. turned in that she was. And the other thing that was cool on the Humor Institute was uh, Dick Smothers lives here. And he's, sure. uh, Dick and Tom are great Sm- friends. Smothers brothers, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and so and of course, for anybody who's listening, all your listeners know who Dick and Tom's mothers are. Sure. And uh, so uh, Dick uh, came in for a show and we were talking afterwards and he was like, man, that was such a good show. I got to give it to you guys, man. I could never do something like that. And I'm like, what? You're, (laughs) You're a legend. You're an icon. He goes, I've never been up alone and neither is Tommy. We've never been alone. Interesting. Always as the team. And I, he goes, I'd love to try. And I said, Dick, me, I'll get four or five comics and we'll sit down one afternoon or a few afternoons and we'll write you five, 10 minutes of material and we'll work on it with you. And you can start coming in and doing some guest sets. And he goes, you know what? I'll just take the comedy class. I'm like, what? So he took the damn comedy class. And imagine you show up at the comedy class. Right. There's Dick. And Dick, took, and he—he's so gracious. He's just a great guy. Yeah. And so that night, nobody knew at the class performance that Dick Smothers was in the class, except the people in the class. Wow. We didn't advertise it. We didn't because he's a student. He's a. This is his first time too. And when uh, when I introduced him that night, I put him in the middle of the pack. And when I introduced him, I told the audience, I said, "Hey, everybody that you are seeing tonight in this class." has the advantage of anonymity. They 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 are that. This next guy does not. He will walk on this stage with expectations as soon as you hear his name. We'll lower him because he's a great student. introduction. Great introduction. First time. You know, he's you know that's funny. You know, and 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 then I go Dick Smothers. And when he walked out, I think we had 150, 180 people. I mean the crowd leapt to their feet. Standing ovation. Standing ovation as soon as he walked on the stage. Oh no. <laughs> and he handled it, you know, he was like, oh no. And he did his set and he had a good set. He got you know, he got good laughs. It wasn't anything, you know, right, to, you know, blow your mind, but it was a great solid set. And I tell you, he walked off that stage just exactly like you would have if sure. you'd have had that. Yeah, period. yeah, yeah. Just like, wow, that was so cool. That Great. oh, that felt so good. Da 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 da. So you know, that's that kind of shows. It doesn't matter who you are. You know, taking taking this class is something that will will definitely be something that will enhance your life. And it, if it, even if it's only a single experience, you never do it again, 
it'll be a memory that you will carry the rest of your life. That will be a fun, I mean, a great, a great memory, you know? Yeah. And I wish more people would do it. You know? it, it, it that sounds, that's a Just great that. story. That's a great story. That is a great story. I, I do want to kind of make a uh, 90 degree turn here. Something I've, I found on the internet, our lovely, our, our wonderful source known as YouTube is that less you and, I, and I'm sure Pam as well, but the two of you have worked with mentally and developmentally challenged uh, people for a number of years and actually have had them up on stage, prepared them to get up on stage. And I, I reason and, and reason why I wanted to bring that up is because I recently had Beaver Shriver on of Rise and Nice. He's right. He's a block over from you guys. It's a Rise and Knives coffee and ice cream shop right there on State Street. He's back in episode 110. Like, I guess two weeks ago, had him on. And he staffs his um, store with mentally challenged employees. And it's it just, it just slays me. I mean, and people love going there. But you guys have worked with that group of folks. Talk about that, how you went in that direction, and then some of the stories. I mean, and this was back at the TED Talk you did 10 years ago, uh, Les, and you talked about James that I thought was really, really sweet story. But just share with us, share with our listeners how you went that direction and just kind of what it's meant to you all over the last. Well, uh, um by the way, there's a Woody Harrelson's got a movie coming out that is that theme that I think is going to be wonderful. Um, the uh, well, you know, actually, we had a, a open micer show up. When you have open micers show up, you don't know what what. Right. I mean, we we've had mentally we've literally had mentally ill people on stage that have a partner that you can't see. You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean you don't know. You don't know what you're getting, you know. But uh, so we had a guy uh, named Greg Bates who's been with us uh, uh, to this day. Greg, Greg has become uh, longer than that. Greg's become in the Tampa Bay area. Every comedian in this area, the comedy community knows Greg. He does prop humor like Carrot Top. And um, and, and, and Greg's high functioning, uh, uh, but but has has some issues. And we, when he showed up for open mic night, we didn't know him. And he got on stage and uh, it was a little awkward and uh, but he did good. He did. He did all right. And then he just stayed with us. And we realized after a while we talked about that this I go, you know, this is for him. I know this has got to be the thing he looks the most forward to in his life. Yes, You know, it, 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 it definitely is. And. I was like, I wonder if there's more people like Greg, Pam and I talked about that, that we could offer this to, you know what I mean? That there no other comedy clubs are going to do that. And, uh, and, and so, and through my, uh, buddy Ken Sons, who I was comedy team for, he, he was in special ed. So I'd been around this and, and, you know, and it wasn't, you know, something that I was unfamiliar with. And so, uh, I kept talking about wanting to do it, but I didn't ever push the button. And Pam, I'll let Pam tell you what happened. She's the one that pushed me in. Once again, it. Pam is, is pushing you forward there, Les. Go ahead, Pam. Uh, I I don't even remember. It was well, I'll tell you, it was you got a call from the head of Special oh, Olympics. Oh, Special Olympics Rob, who has Okay, I want you to tell that I want you to tell that story, but Beaver Shriver the Shriver family, yeah, uh, they're the ones who started Special Olympics. Gotcha. Oh, no. wow! They're the ones who well, started that, it, back in the so day. She, he's he's kin to Maria Shriver, I guess. Well, the I, Maria, the, the she's Shriver. the one. The, that's the Shrivers who started it. With you guys got you guys got yes. to get together. He's right. Just walk across the street. He's right over there on State well, Street. That, that's the, well, that's well, that's the family. You know, that yeah. goes back to the kids. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Pam. Go ahead. So. No, yeah, they had called and it they they were looking for um, something fun at the Special Olympics closing um, and a fundraiser too, and, and to do a fundraiser with us, but for closing ceremony. And Rob wanted to know, hey, do you think you could get less to get the kids, everybody telling a joke 
at the end of the ceremony. And, you know, we'd leave it on a really high note, their lap, you know. And I said, oh, my gosh, I just don't think that's outside. Comedy just doesn't work outside, Rob. And then that's when the brain started clicking of what could we do with them? You know, a fundraiser, something with the Special Olympics. Les always played golf at Laurel Oak. They used to have the Laurel Oak Cup um, for, you know, fundraiser for the Special Olympics. And that's just what happened. We put together. Well, she. It was going to be a show that was a fundraiser. And it ended up being stand-up comedy class for special needs. Yeah. That's well, she basically told Rob, she goes, because uh, I'd been, she'd been pushing me for a while to do it. She goes, you keep talking about it, do it. And then Rob yeah. called her and they got in this conversation and he, she goes, yeah, Les will do it. Les will do it. <laughs> Get a group together. He'll do it. And then she called me and she goes, I got to start the phone with this guy. She goes, you're doing it. You're doing it. It's set up. You're going to do it. You to do it. So uh, and I remember it was just going to be like one one workshop and then the, the show. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And when they and, rolled and, in. Right. Well, one special Olympics is a documentary film. Yeah. That follows the process of the first time we did say it. that. Say that again. Slowly. Special, special Olympics. Olympics. So instead of Olympics, it's yep. Olympics. Okay. OK. Special Olympics. That documentary film, which Ken Sons did, uh, that doc film was, uh, it's been some film festivals and that sort of thing. But if, you, if you're really interested in this, do the TED Talk, because that gives you the 10-minute synopsis of how it On came. YouTube, TED Talk on YouTube, yeah. Uh, and then watch the documentary film. And because uh, it takes you through the process of the first, the first one that we did. And, uh, and, you know, we, when I showed up at the first, uh, I went to their place. I went to, uh, uh, you know, I don't remember where it was, but I went to a place where they, uh, uh, regularly do things. And they had a group of about 10 adults. Uh, I thought I was going to be working with adults that were high functioning, like Greg. That was not the case. James is a prime example that James was pretty much nonverbal, you know, Uh, and and there for a comedy stand up. Well, and that's it. And so I sit down with this group. I told Ken, I said, bring your camera. I don't know what I'm getting into, but I think it'll be interesting. You know, just a document. We weren't thinking about a documentary film at all. Right. I just thought it'll be interesting. Bring your camera. Let let's just you know do it. And so, um, so it, it, when I got the group and I realized, man, this is way different. These are these are these are people that are much more low functioning, and I don't know. And so, and I know when it was all over with. That first meeting, I went to Rob and I, first of all, James in particular, I went, this guy doesn't even speak really. I said, why is he wow. here? And, and Rob said, he wanted to be here. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, that's all I needed to know. He himself, they presented this to a much larger group. And this was the group of 10 or 12 that said, we want to do that. I go, okay, all right, that's all I know. They all I know is they have the desire. That's all I'll figure the rest of it out. I'll figure out. And that was what as we start, I go at that point, we started doing workshops. And I said, we can't even set a performance date. I don't know if this is gonna take five workshops or a hundred workshops. I, I don't know. I have no clue. But we're not gonna put them on stage until we're confident. Yes. that they're going to go up there and be okay. And the thing is that Rob said, he goes, here's the issue that I have. We have worked very hard over the past 50 years, and Special Olympics was the biggest part of this, to mainstream these individuals so that they're not hidden, they're not put away, and that they're not laughed at. That yes. they're not the brunt of jokes. And now we're going to put them on stage to be laughed at. 
And I am really concerned about that. Sure, absolutely. And so I told him, I said, here's what I can guarantee you. Um, when, when they get up there, whatever they're doing to make laughter happen, they're going to know what they're doing and why. And, and, and it could be because of the way you look or the way you sound or the way you present yourself. We all use those tools to make. Yes. Laughter. Yes. But th- when you know, there's one thing when you're being laughed at and you're not, you're, it, it's not something that you're, you've empowered yourself to do. Yes. That that's a different thing that's humiliating. But when you're empowered, when you know what it is, now it's you, it's your power. You're using those tools. I said, that's what they'll know uh, when they get up there uh, and, and, and get going with this. And uh, because we're not, and I said, here's the other thing I, I that laughed at laughed with crap. When you're on that stage to get laughs, trust me, you don't give a jolly damn whether they're laughing at you or with you. You just want yes. them to be yes. laughing. The worst thing that can happen to a comedy performer is no laughter. That is oh, sure. hell. That's, yeah, yeah. You know, so that that's that's how that morphed. And then we just had to take each individual and work with them in what their capabilities were. And, uh, you know, I could go on and on. We had magical things happen during the rehearsal process that just blew us all away. We had parents and caregivers that had been with them forever that saw them do things that were like, we've, we never seen them do that before. We did not know they had that capability. But I will say this, it wasn't like they did things. What was that Robert De Niro film where all the patients woke up and Um, awakening? Yes. Awakening, you know, and then they went back to the way they were. That's the same thing with this. You're not you're not going to do anything that is going to all of a sudden magically change the way that all of a sudden they're going to go get their law degree. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, the, you are what you are and you, your capabilities are what, Hey, I'm not going to get my law degree either. So oh, I know, I know. Me either, me either. but, but, but you, but they can do more than the everyone. Yes. No matter what your mental capabilities are, everyone can challenge themselves and take themselves to another level at times yes. that you didn't think was possible. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what, and that was heightened in this, you know, well, and it was, and I've been wanting to start it back with them, but COVID of course stopped it. Oh, sure. And I wanted to start back this year, but I was still told that, that a lot of these, uh, individuals have, uh, um, immune deficiency. They, they have other issues. Oh, sure. So yeah, you still yeah. have to be very, very careful about them, uh, with COVID. So we're hoping that in the ne- I'm hoping by next year we will be able to be at a point where we can get things started back again. Well, I I could go on for another hour about this and I'm certainly going to put a link in the show notes there so people can go to your TED Talk because there's a wonderful story about James in particular. Mm-hmm. And I want to include a lot of that in there cuz it's just a real tearjerker. I mean, I I could go on for half an hour about a childhood friend by the name of Stevie Priest, who was uh, Down syndrome. And he was just like the puppy who never grew up and just just a cherished memory of my childhood. But I think that's wonderful that you would include them in that piece there and, and really take that chance. I think that's that's pretty, pretty incredible. I want Pam. To, uh, <laughs> go ahead, Pam. Go ahead. Keep, keep pushing. Him. Yeah. <laughs> keep pushing. Him, Pam's Pam. the one that pushes me. <laughs> she says well, go and then I go. Well, let's wind this up with uh, on the on the uh, well, it's all been positive, but let's take it to one step higher. What are y'all excited about right now? I'm excited that we're open and kicking booty. I yep. mean, you know, COVID, we were shut for a year and a half, and as much as I hate to say it, but the government with the PPP loans and grants—that's why we're here today. Yeah, very helpful. That it was, was good. very helpful. Good, good. 
and good, good. It, and our landlord was yes wonderful. the Kaufmans they are amazing yes but I'm just it's so great to see everyone so excited to be out and really cherishing the time they have out with their friends and laughing. Um, it's just great. It, it warms my heart. And, you know, we're just happy that that we're here. We're able to be of service. And we're trying to let people know, you know, what we are known for is, is providing services for our community. We're open. We're ready to start doing fundraisers again. And, you know, we really want to be that resource again for the community. So we're having to, you know, remarket and get everyone to sure. remember, you know, we're a place that you can come to if you're trying to raise some funds for, you know, a specific charity. It's a no brainer with us. We'll put that and we'll certainly put that in the show notes because people because corporations need to know that, that they can yeah. or, or nonprofits that they can raise funds through your your um, your theater there or whatnot. And Guys, you know, go ahead. Six, I was going to say. You know, 67 years old, 61 years old and in this business for 40 years in the, uh, the comedy club now is going into its 36th uh, year, the comedy theater. Wonderful. You know, we're excited about that. We're still excited about it. Yeah. And and it, it's, you know, the art form, how this city's growing, which we knew it oh would. Uh, we knew yeah. how this city would grow. That's the reason we're here. And we love Sarasota. We just adore this. Agreed. Whole area. I sure do. And um you know, and so we're 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 excited about it growing. I mean, we've got a we've got a podcast now called The Mystic Junkies, which is All right. so much fun. Um, we're we're reaching out and doing more things. I can be a mystic or a junkie if you want me on the on the podcast. <laughs> I mean, I, oh, I mean you tell me which hat you want me to wear. Yeah. Guest yeah. on his podcast, <laughs> maybe can do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's all conspiracy theory stuff. Oh, oh, good. I love that. Bigfoot. I let my younger, I Kim let my trails. younger five of us, and they're all staff members, and I let them come up with the idea because, I, you know, I don't know what hooks, especially that crowd, yeah. but uh, that's fun. And then through our uh, through our podcast, we started something called End. Uh, End is End Nuclear Destruction, Eliminate Nuclear Devices, and what that started with was when Putin started uh, throwing out that he you might throw a nuclear weapon into Ukraine. You know, we were like, I was like, this is, we were got talking about how crazy, you know, d didn't we think we nuts. were past that? And now nuts. it's again, it's, it's you nuts. know, so we started something uh, as an experiment. Uh, you know, there's, there's nine countries that have nuclear weapons. Uh, their leadership represents about 5,000 people and there's 8 billion people on the planet. Five and a half billion of them are adults. And I think most of them would like to not have nuclear weapons uh, held as a gun to our damn head. Yes, but indeed. we feel like we're powerless. The I come to find out that the UN uh, designated in 2016, September 26th, as the day to commemorate uh, this nuclear disarmament. Uh, they didn't tell anybody, <laughs> but they just made it. They yeah. made the day. And I, I thought, that's a holiday? I said, I said, that should be bigger than Christmas, you know? So what we're doing right now is, as an experiment through our podcast, as I'm going, how far reaching can we get out there? So the goal is this. Every month on the 26th, we put out there, we just started it in January. Would you walk a mile to end nuclear disarmament? Would you get off your ass? And I don't care if it's just walk a mile around your neighborhood. Would you walk one mile and document it on your phone, do it just a little quick video and post it on Facebook or Instagram or wherever that said you did it? The goal is, event, can we get this out enough to where we could get a billion people at some point in time on this planet to walk one mile to tell the leadership of the world we're over this crap and we want these things gone. You know, you're not going to use them. Nobody's going to use them. If you do, it's suicide. Why the hell? It's lunacy. It's lunacy. And so we're we've started it as a way. It's that is a project in itself is admirable. The other thing is 
you know, can you connect that many people through the World Wide Web for one single positive purpose? To my knowledge, that's never been done. And that is why the World Wide Web is there, is to connect us yeah. as a world community. It's not just there for voyeurism, which is how it's being used yeah. for the most part right now. So anyway, that's a that's something that we're real excited about. Uh, as a project because it's so crazy lofty, but what the hell? Nothing ventured, nothing. Right. Well, I, let's put it this way. World leaders are not getting it done. And I, I reflect your sentiments exactly. It's just, it's just lunacy, but you know, I, it, wouldn't it be wonderful if, uh, you know, McCurdy's, uh, comedy theater could bring about world peace. That would be, a, that would be a wonderful yeah. legacy. You guys well, like, look, look, I always, the, the ultimate hippie. Look, look, I know even though you get rid of get rid of nuclear weapons, they can still throw a they can still throw a something. Yeah, that's right. You know I mean? that's Let's right. get rid of this shit. Yeah, fuck. that's Thank right. You. Yeah, humanity be wonderful if it wasn't for humans. So anyway. Yeah. yeah. Hey, look, Let's, I believe this. Eighty percent of the people on this planet are good people. I believe that. I believe yeah. that at least eighty percent are just good, normal, regular, just like us, just want a decent life. For them, enjoy their families, have have basic freedoms. I believe that's true. And, and but boy, twenty uh, percent uh, and even ten percent is a big number a that big can number. really Indeed. screw crap Indeed. up. You yeah. know, and they're doing it a lot. You know? Well, listen, uh, Pam and Les McCurdy. Way, I, say it too. I gotta do it. I gotta do it. Okay. You cannot let the Earth be destroyed by a guy named Putin. Think about that. Who destroyed? How was the Earth destroyed? Putin. Somebody Putin, and that's what destroyed the, the Putin. We can't let a defecation joke in the world. Okay. Oh right. man, that's funny. That's funny. Well, I, this is already going to be two episodes, guys, and I appreciate it because I could go on for another hour and make it three or four episodes. But listen, we're gonna we're gonna let you go here. Been a real pleasure having you on. We wish you all the success going forward. And I couldn't agree more. It's a great place to be, and you guys have just been a really a iconic institution for so many years here. And we appreciate what you do, and always appreciate all our listeners. And uh, we look forward to having you guys back in the future. Thank Thanks, you. Buddy. Thanks so all much, right. Bob. All righty. Bye bye. Hello, dear listeners. This is Bob again. Thank you so much for stopping by. I sure hope you enjoy listening to our interviews as much as we do providing them. If so, would you do me a little favor? Go to sarasotastories.co and enter in your email. That way you'll get notifications of all upcoming episodes. Also, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And remember, no matter where you go, to listen, learn, and connect.